never dreamed so vividly in my life as I did in the months after I left Bosnia. I had I had dream after dream and some of them would be about the graves and some of them would be about the bodies in the graves. The last dream I had, I was in the basement of my parents' house and it was during the war and I knew that I had been cornered, that there were people coming down the cellar steps, and they meant to kill me. And I was cowering in one area of the basement, and I knew there was nothing I could do. And, um, and I woke up, I woke up screaming, you know, screaming and crying. My grandmother was arrested and sent to Beladia prison together with Yosef, and she spent many weeks there. When she was finally interrogated, the interrogator ended up being from her village, from Posuche. And the interrogator, having looked at the information, said to her, I know you're lying. If you don't tell me the truth, there's nothing I can do for you. But if you tell me the truth, I can try to see what, I, what I'll do. And she did tell him the truth. 
I don't know that she told him all the truth, but she did say that, yes, I, I was hiding him, and yes, I did know that he was Jewish. And he was able to... He willingly put her false testimony into the record, and she was released sometime later. After those weeks, she came home and she spent the rest of the war waiting for him. And after the war, she spent, I think, years waiting for him, hoping that maybe he would come home eventually. My grandmother and Dubitsa did see each other after the end of the war in the late 40s. My grandmother moved to Zagreb and actually lived next door to her sisters. And she and Ljubica would have seen each other every day. In a strange way, I think that my, my grandmother and her sister, they had a lot in common because the men that they both loved, though they were killed under very, very different circumstances, they both vanished without a trace. And so they were both missing this piece of life and having to make their way alone. While they were in Belediya prison, Yosef was able to write a note, which he got to my grandmother. I don't know how he was able to do this. who had it in her possession. We only have the second page of it. We don't have the first page. The note basically is a love note and a note saying sorry for everything that had happened and asking her to go home and to look after her sons and telling her that he loved her, basically. Consciously gracious. 
My grandmother had been living in Washington, D.C. with my father and my uncle. And at some point, I believe, my father moved out. It was actually my father who found my grandmother hanging one day when he returned to the apartment to see her. And he's the one who pulled her down and called the ambulance. Yeah, it was my father who found her. And that's not something he talks easily about. This is the bit that's hard. <laughs> Sorry, that's the really hard part to talk about. When I left Bosnia, I left on a plane and I went to the apartment I had been renting in Croatia. And I knew that my parents were they had come nearby on holiday, and I had planned to meet them eventually, just not that early. I didn't even stop to change my boots. I still wore the boots that I had worn in the field. We went down to the Adriatic Sea. We went to Brella, which is where my family had been going for years and years. It's where Josef Vinci went with my, my grandmother and my father and my uncle. And I remember that I told him in the garden I told him what I had been doing in Bosnia. The sun shone, the sea was lapping at the shore, there were birds singing, people were having a good time. You could hear music from restaurants and children playing down at the edge of the water. And I just remember, the I've never seen a look on his face like that. My father was and is in many ways a cipher to me, as close as we are. And I think I thought I would have, I'd be given a key to understanding their experiences in a way that I would never be able to understand them if I stayed safe in the United States. I don't think I realized how dangerous it was, what I was doing. I think I definitely didn't understand how emotionally difficult it would be. I think at 23, I had a pretty overblown sense of my own resilience and strength. And I was resilient and strong. At the same time, I... It would break my heart if my child decided to do something like that. It really would. 
And so when I look at it now through the lens of being a parent and thinking of my father being told, hey, dad, by the way, this is what I was doing in Bosnia, I think there was a higher price to be paid for that than I thought at the time. And it took me years to figure that out. big basin of water. There were keys. Inside the basin is a catfish, and it swims from one end of the basin to another. And every time it makes its way to the end, it hits the side with its nose, and there's a tiny little thump that I hear. There were photographs. My father says that it is a catfish, but to me it looks like a magical golden fish. It's a combination of white and gold, and it has long trailing whiskers. I seem to recall that there was a a photograph that had been taken at the seaside. It doesn't see up, it doesn't seem to see below, it can only see in front of it where it's going, and back and forth it swims, thump, thump, thump. It was of a man and small children. That, That detail sticks in my mind, that there was a photograph of a man and small children at the seaside. I plunge my hands into the water. I gather it between them and bring it up into the air. You've been listening to Remnants on Soundworlds. I'm Patrick Eakin Young. Soundworlds. Remnants was written by myself using the recorded testimony of Courtney Angela Brickage. It was based on her memoir, The Stonefields Love and Death in the Balkans, published by Picador. Original music was by Christian Mason and Shelley Parker. It was performed by Emma Bonici, Victoria Cooper, Eugenia Georgievia, and Alessia Storovetska. Sound design was by Alex Groves, with additional mixing and design by Ross Flight. Special thanks to Anda Winters, Simon Mueller, and Goran Kostic for additional voice recording. This Sonic Theatre production was adapted from a stage version, first presented and recorded in 2017 at the Coronet Theatre, London. 
Next month, we'll be bringing you four sonic theater adaptations of short stories by American master Raymond Carver. Remember to check out our website at www.soundworlds.org for more information about this and all of our upcoming projects. I'm Patrick Egan Young, and I hope you'll join me again on Soundworlds. Sound Worlds, Sonic Theatre.